This is it. This is episode 312, No Laugh Track Podcast. I'm Justin Severson, the host. I am here with uh, someone I just met uh, three, four, five minutes ago, Alex Edelman. Hi. Thanks for having me, dude. Hi. Welcome to Minneapolis. Thank you. Day, I guess, three, probably, of Day week, three. Right? Day three. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. All right. So day three. How has it been so far? Incredible. It's been a really... Uh, it, last night, in particular, was a lot of fun. It was one of the best shows I've had in a real long time. I sort of barely overheard you saying that to the guys in the back uh, yeah, office there from here. It was real special. I I like I like this uh I like this club a lot. It seems like a really good club for stand-up comedy, which is really fortunate cuz that's what I do. <laughs> Imagine so, that. Yeah. You It'd found the right place. Bad. It was a great great comedy club for baking, but no, this is a really great comedy club for comedy. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Have you been here before Tuesday? Had you been here before? Not this club. I've been to the Twin Cities one time. I opened for Beck at the Palace Theater. Yes. That was, was pretty cool. Just going to bring that up, that I almost saw you a little over a year ago. Really? You almost went to that show? I love Beck. Oh, he's amazing, dude. Yeah. He's so good. And that show in particular was a lot of fun. He's really special and talented and funny. How? Let, let's talk about that for a second. How How did that happen? How I was opening for Ryan Adams, the musician. Right. Uh, not Brian. No. Ryan. As, I know the difference. Oh, a lot of fans don't, which is weird. But Ryan Adams is a real special singer-songwriter, and one of his, uh, and and I guess one of his guys uh, ended up working on the Beck tour and recommended me as an opening act. And Beck was like, "Yeah, crap, let's give it a shot." So I ended up opening for Beck, like here in Seattle and Milwaukee and a few other places. It was fun. It was real fun. I had a, I had an absolute blast. How was it doing it before a musical act? Great. Really easy. You just go up there, do your thing. Like I, I'm a real believer that stand-up comedy can kind of work anywhere. You know, the best it, it can be made special by a great venue. But I've, you know, I've done every kind of show, and I've always had a really good time. I mean, I think it's. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's definitely not easy. It's a real hard job. But now going but, on tour with Beck or doing some shows with him, they're like, you know, the, I still haven't been to the Palace Theater, but it. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I mean, that's not like 200 people just sitting here like at a club. It's a little bit bigger than oh, that. Oh, it's huge. It's like the, you know, 2,000, 2,500. Yeah, like and that. there's people, they're not necessarily all in their seats or in their spot when there you're are performing. No yeah. yeah. So how was that for you when people are still Fine. walking in? Like, you just try to rope them in, give them a bit of a hypnotic eye, you know, just try to uh, get everybody engaged and excited. And it, it works out for the most part. People listen. People listen and sit and have a real, real... Uh, uh, yeah, it it feels pretty intense and it's a lot of fun. I haven't gone. I don't go to a lot of shows, you know, music concerts these days. I, my twenties, I did all the time. I rarely saw stand up beforehand. Oh yeah, it's not common. It's not super common, yeah. but but it, but it can be. It can be great. And for me, it was uh, doing those shows for him, especially Milwaukee. That was uh, that one was special for some reason. Everyone was in their seats early, and the crowd was focused, paying attention. I, I left on a real good note. I had a great time. And how was Beck just as a guy? Great. Beck is really, you know, and I'm not one of those guys who would say, I've opened for acts before that are real shitty or real difficult. But Beck was uh, Beck is cool and laid back, and he's a perfectionist, and but like not an asshole perfectionist, just like long sound check perfectionist. Okay. And like I gotta watch him work and prepare all the time, and he's got a real solid work ethic when he tours, and his crew and his band are treated real real nice, and his band is made up of like really great musicians in their own right, so. 
just watching that whole unit sort of work together as a family made me wish that stand-up was a little less of a solitary endeavor. But it was it was really nice, and he is uh, – I don't have a bad word to say about him, not a single one. That's really cool. Yeah, it's I'm it's happy weird. to hear that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's so boring to say nice things about a guy, but <laughs> I wish I'd be like, ah, Beck's a jerk. Beck likes to kick small dogs in his spare time, and that's the only thing you put in, right? You I've heard that around as well. That. Yeah. <laughs> you, you edit around that. but <laughs> That's right. But that was cool. It was a cool gig. Very cool. Were you a fan of his beforehand? Yeah, but a, a way bigger fan now. Yeah, okay. Watching him live for, uh, for a few nights in a row. That'll make you a real, real big fan. You know what I know most about Ryan Adams was that I had a uh, like a guys' weekend getaway once, and my buddy played. We went camping at somebody's land, you know, drank a bunch of beers. Sure. Games. One of my buddies played that. Uh, him doing was it the Taylor Swift? The Taylor, nineteen eighty nine. Yes, over and over. Oh my and gosh, over. That's, and over and over. That's so weird because I think that his original stuff is incredible but i think that's what he's a lot of people know him for that which is crazy because his original stuff is way better yeah but you know different guy than beck and different guy than brian yeah different guy than brian adams Mm -hmm. for sure uh i the big scuttle butter on here last week was that you were coming to town and gonna record here yeah i'm recording an album i'm recording an album friday and saturday my first comedy album so why do you say it like that first comedy album well i've done a lot of i've had a lot of material you know i i've done three hour-long solo shows different hour-long solo shows and people keep asking about the first one uh so and and it doesn't people go where can i get my your first hour which is called millennial and it doesn't exist anywhere. It was a special for the BBC, but they own the rights to it. So that, you know, that that is uh, that's occasionally on the BBC in England. But but, you know, it, it doesn't exist here. So I thought, you know, I might as well dip into that back catalog and, and try to sort of resurrect it a little bit. So, you know, I've I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing that and I'm doing it for. This at record label called 800 Pound Gorilla, which seems like a young, hungry, cool record label. And and uh, it's surprising to me because I thought, you know, I would have done one years ago, but I just never got around to it. And this is seems like the right place to do it. And I'm, I'm psyched about it. I'm yeah. really psyched. Who's, uh, whose idea was it to do it here? Um, you know, I, I'd heard a bunch of good things about this place. And I'd never been. And my agent said, where do you want to try to do it? I said, how about Acme in Minnesota? And... Uh, and she went, all right, well, we'll ask. So she asked, and it, it, it's it been great so far. So, But I'm really hoping people come out Friday and Saturday. You know, I got four shows. It's my first time here. So and this is not a small room, you know. This is 200, what, 250 yeah, seats, something like that? Yeah, 50, something like that. So, I, I, you know, I really want to sell it out and make, uh, and make folks pleased to be here because I am pleased to be here. Yeah. So that would be really That'd be really cool, but you know, yeah, recording my first album it's 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 nerve wracking and exciting and unusual and a lot of fun now, what is it like going back to material from how many years ago four years ago, okay, that's not normal, no, but it's nice. it's like revisiting an old pal or something like that. It feels 
it, it's unusual. Because you're cheating I, on the newer stuff. What? You're cheating on the newer stuff. Meaning, yes, that's you know that's sort of how I feel. I, I drop in. I'm dropping in one or two new jokes, just because. Or, or here's what I'm doing. I'm dropping in jokes that I'm proud of that weren't part of the second and third hour. Oh, okay. So I'm dr- doing the first hour and jokes that are. You know, sort of a part of that, and and I've I've had a, a great time doing it, but it's it's also meant that that hour is a little bit longer than uh, than it has been in the past. But but I'm 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 really really excited about uh, about this this special uh, the special chance to to do you know an, an old thing that I sort of look back on real fondly because that's how my career started with that first hour um uh, you know I was not working full time as a comic when I wrote it and at, when I finished touring it I was working full time as a comic and I've okay. never gone back so you know it, it should be fun it should be a, it should be a nice endeavor what do you mark as the start what or when do you mark as the start of your comedy career uh, the start of my growth as a comic, you know, I can trace back to when I was a teenager and starting out in Boston. But my, the thing, the sort of the watershed moment for comedy as a full time thing was uh, winning the Edinburgh Comedy Award in 2014. Uh, for with, this hour, right? with this hour, it was yeah. called Millennial. The word hadn't really flowered yet into this crappy catch all <laughs> phrase that we all know it now as. Uh-huh. But it, it was. It, it was a real moment for me and uh and you know i had this real inkling that my life would change a tiny bit and it did and you know i i've i've worked steadily as a comedian since then it's been a wonderful wonderful journey but i do miss uh i do miss sort of the hungry lean days of not really genuinely not you know knowing what was going to happen or uh, being aware that something was developing uh, into a, into a bit of a, a special moment. Can but, you still you know, do that just by trying new things? Oh yeah, no, I definitely look. This the funny thing is that show is great, but it it, it certainly isn't near the comic that I am now. And you know, I've gotten better. And my newest hour is one that I'm very proud of, and I can't wait to eventually lay that down as a you know an hour long special. But uh, but you know this is this is what you know this is sort of what i'm 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 ready for i'm ready to i'm ready to revisit that and uh sort of indulge in it one more time before i i put it to bed hopefully for forever and uh yeah it's been really it's been really gratifying to uh, to get back into some of that material because I've done two weekends before this one okay. in Grand Rapids, one in Chicago. Okay, so I haven't fully leaned into into some of the material that I'll be doing Friday and Saturday. Like, given that I haven't tried it in several years because it requires a projector, so we're going to be using a projector. Oh yeah, tonight, you're asking about that Friday and Saturday. Okay, but uh, yeah, it should be a really interesting, unique moment for me, and uh, I, I I can't wait for it to be honest. Awesome, man! That's really exciting. It's very weird. A little self-indulgent, but you know, I'm 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 pretty pumped. Yeah, uh, it's okay to be self-indulgent. It's you. It, this is your time. This is... <laughs> I, I, Don't worry I, about I it. Think man. about it. It's my time. I hey, feel like Lady Gaga. Not saying. in that as Yeah, it's my time. Like, a star is time. born, everyone. Yes, a star is born. <laughs> but um, but it should be. Yeah, it should be good. I really am excited for people to hear it. it it'll be it'll be special live. That's how I feel. It'll be 
a really fun moment for me actually looking around the stage uh, that we're sitting on now and laying it down because last night running through it was a special moment for me and I really felt something uh, doing old material that you're not really sick of it, with with the comic that you are four years later can be great it's like you, you know that material was a little juvenile mm-hmm. or like just in terms of it wasn't as mature as the stuff that you know I, I had I have sort of grown into writing but performing it as a comic who's a way better comedian that's a that's a really unique experience that you know I never got into. Or you know what I mean? Like I think I just want to say I think it's fascinating when they, I'm not a comedian. You sure. Know? I'd want to. I think it's fascinating when I hear comics say, oh, I've, "I just I'm bored with that joke or bored with that story. Sure. I'm just sick of it. I I get bored of certain jokes in certain settings. Like sometimes you know you got to kill time with an old joke in, in a room you don't really want to be in, <laughs> and that is a tough job to pull something out that you love or have once loved okay and just beat that dead horse again and again that can be brutal yeah i gotta keep this to a secret to the i gotta have to sell it to these people to laugh at this but i'm not into it yeah i mean that won't be like that tonight i do feed off the energy of an audience so last night's audience was so fun and special that uh you know it was I felt I felt really really pumped and my openers here are great really good guys Robert and I think Johnny um, and yeah they've been really really interesting cool dudes very cool so very cool that helps that's gotta help yeah so we should we, since you've never been on this podcast we should do a little more about uh, how you how you got your start I've read quite a bit about you go ahead go ahead go, and do, uh, ask ask away yeah I'm first of all. I don't, I'm not sure where exactly to start, but I'm just going to say this. I don't think I've ever had... I've done, you know, 312 episodes of this thing, right? So some people have been on numerous times, others one time. It's quite a few different people is my point. Sure, sure. To. I don't think out of all of the hundreds of guests I've had on, I don't think I've had someone that has had so many family members with Wiki, Wikipedia pages as well as... Who's got a Wikipedia page? AJ has one probably, right? My brother. Your brother and your father. Oh, Elazar. Yeah, my dad. My dad's got a real impressive resume yeah yeah he's a real he's a genius <laughs> i don't know look it, I, there might be someone stalking my family because i have a strict don't check wikipedia policy okay but like you know my, I, you know what honestly i usually don't either because it's full of a lot of bs yeah but my dad i'm sorry my brother was telling me oh there's a lot of old and inaccurate information on your wikipedia and i was like i don't care but uh, okay. i checked my dad's a little while ago and it's got a lot of his accomplishments on it you know my dad's an impressive dude yeah and my brother aj's an olympian yeah you know, he made the freaking Olympics. That's something special. That's crazy. Oh, it's so nuts. That's I crazy. had no faith in him that he would make the Olympics. <laughs> and then he went ahead and just got in and did it. So he competed in skeleton, which is like luge, but headfirst for Israel, which is a really cool little distinction. I'm very proud of him. It's unbelievable. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing. But wow, right? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were the family uh, Boston area, right? Yeah. 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 And your brother, just like you, raised in that area, but then ends up... Ends up qualifying for the Winter Olympics for, for Israel. How... I, I did a little research on this. So he is now has a residency, or how does that work? Or how does it... Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know if he's a citizen qualify, or not. Your citizen. Yeah, how does that work when you do I have no idea. I think he established citizenship 
went you know there a few years ago and then decided oh I want to want to make a go of it but he's back at home in Boston figuring out his next move I don't know what you do after you make the Olympics right like you're just get an office job you probably feel bored as shit right so he's so he's got a great one Austin doesn't have a Wikipedia page my youngest brother he's a sophomore at MIT but, oh but just I that? think yeah just that right he's gonna be the, he'll be an entrepreneur of some kind that blows us all out of the water uh-huh He's a smart kid, a really smart kid, and my dad is my dad's a you know borderline genius. My mom's intelligent too, but I doubt that she's got a Wikipedia page. I don't remember seeing one. No, but I mean, yeah, two Wikipedia pages. I mean, I'm sure there's some comics who somewhere down the line that you've interviewed that have got. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I think, I think you have the I think three's the record, man. I have the shortest one. Oh, <laughs> shortest Wikipedia page of everybody probably has uh, the Edinburgh Comedy Award on there and. Maybe something else probably mentions me in relation to Arj, because Arj won the award in the 90s, 97. I think, yeah, something I read about yeah. you had his, his name in it. Yeah, you know? the uh-huh. funny thing is it was like, you know, almost 20 years between me and Arj winning the award. Oh, wow. And then in, in 20, and then like two years after I won it, Natalie Palamides, who's also an American, won the award that last year. And she is a special, special talent, Natalie. Um but yeah, I love the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's the biggest biggest arts festival in the world by far. Great comedy festival. A must do for comedy fans. If you're a big comedy fan, that should be on your bucket list. And uh I've been lucky enough to go there, you know, three times with solo shows and I've always had a good time. Okay, now I, you know, you say that. I'm I mean, one of the reasons I ever I got this gig uh hosting this podcast for Acme is because I'm such a huge comedy fan. Sure. That hasn't what you just said. It's not really on my bucket list. I want to go to Montreal sometime. Great to go festival. Just for last. Yeah. Uh, like I. How about c- Melbourne? Is Melbourne on your bucket list? <laughs> sure. No, serious. Is Melbourne Comedy Festival on your bucket list? Mm, I, you haven't heard of it. Oh, are you kidding me? I've definitely heard of it. Okay. Uh, no, only because uh, I, it seems to me so unrealistic. Honestly, that I'll ever get to Australia. Sure, I get that. I mean. Edinburgh should be here's why Edinburgh should be on your bucket list because it's the rest of the world's proving ground for stand up. And honestly, the stand up scene here in the states in North America, you know, to me obviously we have the best comedians. I think we have the best comics. We have the world's great comedy voices, but you know, in England and Australia and New Zealand to a lesser extent in Canada to a lesser extent or not Canada to a lesser uh, in like Ireland to a lesser extent you know there is a absolutely enormous appetite for stand-up comedy that per capita is bigger than our appetite for stand-up comedy the amount of people percentage-wise of the population that are aware of various stand-up comics that you know I'd say the average British person is aware at any time of 40 stand-up comedians 30 to 40 stand-up comedians. Wow. And I'd say that the average American's probably aware of, you know, six, seven maybe. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh But, you know, like, they have comedy shows there, like panel shows, and they're huge. So, you know, they're aware of of certain comics that are, some of them are retired, but, you know, there are a whole bunch of household names, a lot of household names there. And, uh, you know, Rich Hall, who's a great American stand-up comic, is one of those names, by the way. He lives over there and is enormously popular and plays sort of big big theaters okay. or small arenas so yeah. like 
Edinburgh is where all those comics are found and where all those comics have gone at some point in my favorite British, Irish, you know, even in some American stand-up comedians have all gone there and been nominated for the Edinburgh Comedy Award. And so it's a big deal to me. Yeah. And they also do a lot more uh, reviewing of shows and totally. shows, right? It's a so different more, than here. A lot more. Their comedy writers are their writers about comedy are way better than America's writers about comedy. With Jason Zinneman and Julie Seabaugh you know and names. a few others as exceptions. No, no those are the American oh, ones. American but, ones. Okay. but in the UK, yeah, there are guys who are really well respected. The you know, the the critic for The Guardian hates me, but like besides him, I've always <laughs> done well press wise and uh yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting, you know, like if I did, did do a search of your name, how many different articles come up written from because of you performing? Oh, a overseas? ton. There are a lot of, you know, I've I've probably got a, an enormous press footprint I don't read reviews and like I said the guy from the Guardian doesn't like me so I'm sure infuriatingly the top hits are not g- glowing reviews but um, you know the show that I just did was one of the best reviewed comedy shows saw that. at the Edinburgh Fringe ever awesome. and it was the best reviewed show this year and so apparently you know that is a point of pride for me I'm, I'm told sure that is something to be proud of so yeah I'm proud of it I guess when you go over and participate in that how many shows are you doing you do an hour a day every day for a month at least. Yeah. I did about 100 shows this year. I worked really hard. Over there? Over there in a month, yeah. 100? Mm-hmm. Dude! Not all of them were hours, but I, yeah. I got up at least twice a day, three times a day, every day over the course of... I work really hard at that festival. I work really hard at that festival. But it's a great festival. It's the comedy capital of the world. And, you know, I drive myself into the ground sort of getting getting there, getting to be better, getting stuff in, working, working, working. And I say it's – guess how many comedy shows there are a day at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? Would you like to guess? 20. Again. Guess again. Uh, this must be more. 50? <laughs> Um, no 3,960 something this year. What? A day. How is that possible? Every comedy cup. Co- there are 20 show. There were, there are 20 different venues in the complex that I was performing in. And each of them have, you know, 10 shows a day every day for, you know, with 15 minute turnovers. They start at, you know, 11 a.m. They finish at 1 a.m. It's intense, man. All right. So, you know, you say uh, put, have it on a bucket list. If I go over there and go to that show, how do, how do I buy a ticket? To, how, how many shows am I seeing in one day? How do they sell those tickets? Oh, you're seeing however many shows you're willing to. Is it a pass to go to everything? Is it you a- can get passes at various venues if you're part of a visiting company. I, saw, I had a pass this year, so I saw a lot of shows. All right. No, I didn't see as many shows. I saw the least shows I've ever seen, but it was still, you know, probably, you know, 20 comedy shows. Probably saw 20 shows. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, you, it's an investment. You know, it's 10 pounds a ticket, so you're going to spend 200 pounds. We're going to see, you know, uh, 20 shows. Mm-hmm. But what's that, 20 times 10? Yeah, that's 200 pounds. But, like, you got to decide what to see. You know, but a mil- there are a million. In- it's the third largest ticket-selling event in the world. Behind the Olympics and the World Cup, it's the third largest ticket-selling event in the world. And this year was bigger than the World Cup. They did they did more for some reason. Really? Yeah, they did more tickets. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, the city, the population of the city swells by three times during the festival. It's absolutely heaving with people. And some venues have a thousand seats. There are some guys who sell thirty thousand seats over the course of a month and add extra shows. David O'Doherty adds extra shows. He's incredible. There are a whole bunch of great. 
I mean, it, it's not a. It's the biggest comedy event on the planet, and it doesn't even come close. So you did that. What, when was that this year? It was August, August. All of August. Okay. And then after that, the second largest isn't Montreal; it's Melbourne. And you, we Me- went there too. I went there too, uh, but that was in long? March, March and April. Uh-huh. Uh, that was that was three weeks, three and a half weeks. Hundred more shows. Not a hundred. That that you only do one show a day. You have a few little extras, but. It's mostly just your show. It's not as it's not as um, shows don't start at eleven a.m. They start at like six fifteen, six thirty p.m. Because it's not like in Edinburgh, the city shuts down for the festival basically for okay. a month in the summer. No one does shit. Um, in Montreal, I'm sorry, Melbourne is a little more like you're, you're doing shows after people's work times and they come see you at work or they come see you after work. So so you're so it's a little more human. Did you cross paths with Arge this year? Yeah, I saw him in I saw him in Melbourne. I I run into Arge pretty regularly. I think he's one of the best comedians. He's Arge is one of the biggest comedians in the world. I know. You know, not a lot of people know that because they don't realize. But every person in Australia knows who Arge Barker is, I, and if they I don't, know it's amazing. Uh huh. But he's a great comic. He deserves that accolade, and he does a new hour every year. Yeah. At that Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then he tours it. Yeah, yeah, we've well, been on this podcast several times. We've talked about. He that. is a Nuts. genius. Mm-hmm. He is a he is at his best. There's he's one of the best comics on the planet. So you know, I bet he sells out when he's here. People know Arge. People. But he has a good following here. Of yeah. course he does. Yeah. He's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's been coming here for a long time to Acme specifically. Yeah, nothing but great things to say about that guy. I think he's super brilliant. So could you ever? I mean, I don't know why you would, but could you just leave the United States and just forever to do your career and be happy and successful i mean yeah but gross <laughs> i love those places i want to live there i'm an american man like i'm <laughs> i'm I'm a, kind of a shitty american too like you know i like i like cheese and i like gross overheaped burgers and i'm in a I'm I'm a very red-blooded American, and I don't mean racist or sexist <laughs> the way some people are like, hey, he's just a red-blooded American male. Oh, we know what he means in 2018. I just like being an American. I like being an American. I like living here. You know, I don't ever want to give that up. I could live in London. The quality of life is pretty high. I enjoy it. I have a lot of friends there. I have, you know, a radio series there that I do regularly and comes out and is fun, but... I'm an American, you know. I so like where it. are you living now? Where, where, where are the rest of your clothes? Where's your dresser? New York City. New York City? New York. Apartment in New York. Some of my clothes are at home. and Some of my clothes are at storage in uh, Los Angeles, and some are at home. My parents' place in Boston. So I'm scattered all over the world. And my girlfriend's in London. But, uh, you know, I'm very, very much a... Uh, I'm very much an American resident. But yeah, I could I could live somewhere else, but but why would you? You know, like my career in the US is going all right and I just happen to want to fold that in. So I spent some time there yeah. and and put that work in. No, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's good. absolutely great. Um I do have a few more questions about the whole Olympic thing with your brother. Go ahead, yeah. Absolutely. Uh so I read somewhere you went there and watched him? I went. I went and watched just it was in South Korea? Korea? Yeah, it was amazing. It was so cool. 
He was great. Did he uh, did he participate in the opening ceremonies? He did. Were he, you there for that? I was not. I was in Israel, weirdly enough, watching him on a TV. And, uh, okay. Yeah, I watched him on Israeli television represent the Israeli team. And How proud out. are they of him in, in Israel? We're, they love him. He's a bit of a household name, small, just in a few households. But, you know, he walks down the street and occasionally people are like, Adam, 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 Adam. No so, shit. Yeah, it was crazy. Watching him sign autographs for Korean children and stuff or people walk up. People run up to him in the streets in Pyeongchang, you know, Israel, Israel, Israel. But it was cool. I have never seen anything like it. And I'll never go back. I hated the Olympics. I loved watching him, but I hated it. Why? It's so much corporate sponsorship. You know, they only take the Olympics credit card. And they only, you know, the food is McDonald's. And the drinks are Coca-Cola. And, like, it's insanely corporate. Insane. You may as well have been at Disney World or something. Yeah, the prices were like that. but And it was a mess. It was a mess to get around. The, 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 the stadiums were empty. Sold out and empty because all the tickets are sitting on the desk of some middle manager at a tire company that sponsors figure skating or some <laughs> crap like that. Do you know what I mean? So uh-huh. no one was at the actual games because they're all tickets given to sponsors. Sure. So I didn't, I didn't absolutely adore that, but it was a special, unique. Talk about bucket list, man. Going to the Olympics in Korea. Crazy. Ooh. It was it was unbelievable. The whole thing was just I was beside myself. It was special. That was special. Did you see any other events besides what yeah, you did? Yeah, I saw figure skating, I saw snowboarding, I saw Sean White do incredibly well and win his medal. I saw Chloe Kim win her medal. Nice. Oh, it was unbelievable. That was cool. I saw our our ice hockey team lose in a heartbreaking fashion to Croatia or some crap like or the Czech Republic and some crap like that, but that was the neatest. Ray Bork was there, one of my heroes yeah. when I was a kid. I was like stood next to Ray Bork for a minute. Oh, holy shit. It was so cool. Had you been to that part of the world before? Nah. Um, I've been in Japan on a quick vacation in 2016. But no, never been to Korea. And I did a show in Seoul, which was... Oh, while you were there? Yeah, while I was there, someone went, do you want to do a show in Seoul? And I was like, heck yeah, I want to do a show in Seoul. That was really neat. That was really special. I mean, it is it is a great, great city. Um, and we had a... Absolutely bananas, incredible time. Because my brother, you know, look, your, your, your sibling makes the Olympics. Although I probably made more money than he has off the endeavor by talking about it. You know, I've mentioned it a few times. <laughs> but yeah, he's really cool. He's really cool. He's really funny. And, uh, you know. What do they say? Uh, you know, in the Olympic Village, it sex is crazy. Does he stay in the so Olympic not Village? True. He did stay in the Olympic Village. Did you go in there and true. visit? I walked this? in. I saw a whole bunch of it. People keep to themselves, they baby. Okay. There are a few, like, athletes who have heard that who are really excited about it. But yeah. mostly the condoms disappear as souvenirs, right? They disappear and then they go. But, like, my brother was like, yeah, no one's having sex, man. Also, the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics probably a little different, right? True. You know, Winter Olympics, everyone's bundled up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. but, like, the Summer Olympics, people must just be woof. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, it was cool watching them. And skeleton is such a dangerous sport. Like, how... 
I think I read how he chose that, but how did he choose that? As I think he just wanted a sport that was competitive and, and dangerous and interesting, a bit of an adrenaline junkie, and then he started doing it and thought, okay, I'm going to make the fucking Olympics with this. So he did it. He went out, and I remember getting the email that said he made the Olympics, and I screamed. I absolutely screamed. They weren't going to offer him a place, but then they did, and that was, you know, there was something really interesting. The guy from Liechtenstein. Yeah. Made the Olympics, but his federation hadn't filed the right paperwork, so his spot went to someone from Jamaica, which I thought was <laughs> sad as hell. But you know, AJ, thankfully, his federation in Israel came through, and we got to go watch him. And I mean, what a pursuit! What an incredible thing that he was able to do. I watched the uh, opening ceremonies. I remember commenting about like, look at this country has like you know the, Olymp- the United States team comes out and they're like they've got five hundred athletes or whatever of athletes every discipline. Yeah. Yeah, and then Israel came out. How many did was it like 12, 12. 13 athletes? Maybe more actually. Bikinoff, the speed skater, the two figure skaters, the skier, um, and then AJ. Yeah, it was it was incredible. What were you doing? You said you watched the beginning in Israel. What were you doing there? I was there for a bar mitzvah. I know it's not exciting, but I was there for a bar mitzvah. Family? Between. I, yeah. No, friends. Friends. I had a show in Turkey. I had a show shows in London, then a show in Turkey, then a show in Israel. Or sorry, then just visiting Israel, and then I went to go to Korea to see AJ. So that was a whirlwind few days in February. Okay. Wow. That's cool. I, uh, I'm an Olympics fan, so I love Olympics. Are you really? Yeah, I really enjoy What's it. What's your yeah. sport? What's your favorite? Uh, my summer. I like summer better than winter. Have you been to the th- summer Olympics? No. I would love to. Well, when do we get? We, we're getting one, aren't we? Yeah, I think the states has successfully bid on something. Yeah, might be LA. No, it? it wouldn't be LA. It might be Chicago. No, it, someone bid on. Yeah, wait, uh, Chicago lost their bid. Well, there were a lot. Of, even Minneapolis was in the running at one point. But yeah, well, Boston was in the running, and then Bostonians were like, "No, <laughs> no, we don't want it." Well, yeah, when you really dig deep, you find out that these places lose millions and millions of dollars a lot of times, and it's not even you know, it's, instead of being a economic boom, it's uh, it ruins them. And, yeah, it yeah. is. It is a real ruiner. I'm wondering who. Um, I'm wondering which, which uh, here I'm going to ask Siri. Oh, well, Siri, Siri doesn't want to be asked, but um, Olympics. In the summer Olympics, I like swimming. Big. In the winter, uh, uh, in hockey, definitely. Uh, Los Angeles won 2028. 20, See? Yeah. Uh, hockey is the fun one, yeah. I'll start saving up now, 2028. 20, hey, man, it, you never. it's a lot of fun. It's worth, it's worth going. Tokyo is 2020. Wow, Paris is going to be 2024. That is going to be fun. But I wonder who's, who's got the Winter Olympics. Any guesses on where the – oh, I actually know where the Winter Olympics are going to be in 2022. Oh, I don't remember. Um, I think they are going to be in China somewhere. Um, where are the – the Winter Olympics are going to be in – Let's see. Here, Who will host? Beijing. Beijing will be the 2022 Winter Olympics. If Have you ever thought about if you, was there a sport you would have like had a chance, if you would have tried as hard as your brother to try to make a team? Is there one you could have possibly had a slim maybe? Um, I was chance? on, I tried out for certain U.S. ice hockey teams, various um, various younger uh, ice hockey teams. Really? And... Um, but, you know, I, I would not uh, – I'm trying to think. You know, look, the thing is that anyone can do it. 
really. If my brother can do it, anyone can do it. All you need is blinding dedication. And that's what my brother did. He blindly dedicated himself to making the Olympics, and he fucking did it. Yeah. So it is sort of an inspiring story, actually. Um, what would I pick? What would I what what would be my sport, huh? Uh Yeah, I'm a really decent ice hockey player, but but I don't know that I I don't know that I could play at an Olympic level. Maybe now that it's amateurs, I I I would have a I'd have a shot. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no more uh, Yeah, no more NHL. Do you know uh Ahmed Barucha? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know he travels with his hockey equipment when he goes on the road? He's that big a fan? He plays that intensely? He came, yeah, he was on the podcast I don't know, a month and a half ago, and he was like, what, so what have you been doing? Well, earlier today I found a pickup game of hockey. You know what? Someone told me there's pick a... Pickup game. He I travels. Want, I believe him. I mean, that's great. Yeah. They must have good baggage checks and stuff like that. I yeah. really like... Um, I was curious about that, too. Yeah, I really like... Um, I, someone was telling me about pickleball, which seems like it'd be fun to do. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know much about that. Yeah, me neither. Pickleball. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was so you cool played hockey that. growing up? Yeah. Yeah. Played hockey growing up, was really into it, really intensely into it. Had a great time. What was the last level you played at? Hockey? Uh I whatever the highest is before you get at, before you get into junior A's. Okay. So I guess, I guess junior C's or the or whatever the whatever the Bostonian equivalent is. But I would have played in college. But being a, being a student athlete is really difficult, and I really focused on writing and performing at that point. So by then I was already kind of out of it. Sure. But yeah, I'm glad you bring up the Olympics, man. That that is a special thing and is so much fun to do. And I mean, we got to meet some cool ass people. Some. Some, including one, my friend Holly Whitleff, who's from here, and uh, we just hung out yesterday. She had a family member in the Olympics, also. And oh, cool! So yeah, I met some people from all over the world and stayed in touch, and that's what it really is for. It's the it's a great my, with all the. I wish they'd take some of the corporate sponsorship out because besides that, it is one of the great examples of fellowship on the planet. Okay. And it's really a real world stage and there are people from every country it feels like and it's just cool. Yeah. I look forward to it every, you know, two years I guess we do it now. Yeah. Winter, summer, winter, summer. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to it big time. Um, something I want to ask you about my, I have two daughters. Sure. 12 and 10. Mm-hmm. My 12 year old just got a, uh, she hasn't done anything with it yet but she just signed up and was accepted to be part of their school newspaper. Oh wow. Yeah. And I don't know exactly she said she wants to do reviews so whatever that means for a sixth grader right <laughs> yep uh but then doing research about you what, what age did you start doing your writing career i started 13 yeah. yeah i started writing for the red Sox when i was 13 i wrote the kids newsletter yeah so i'm gonna be hanging this now that i found that out i'll be you know over my daughter's head like come on yeah come you on, should pick it up you know it's so funny though she says uh have you there's, a, I was watching the Robin Williams documentary, and there's a clip of him and Steve Martin and waiting for Godot. And Steve Martin go and him are going back and forth. They're trading insults, and one goes scumbag, and the other says sewer rat, and someone goes filth, someone goes moron, and someone goes jerk, and someone goes critic, and the other guy goes oh, like. <laughs> 
That's the worst yeah, thing yeah. you can be called. And Steve Martin does like a whole like <sighs> clutches his chest and everything like that. It's very funny. <laughs> but so critic is the lowest thing you can be. <laughs> but there are some good ones. Gail Anderson at the Herald in in in, in Scotland is pretty special. But like uh, and Veronica Lee who writes for City Desk is or Arts Desk is, is great. And um, Zinnemann and Jesse Fox who are at Vulture and the New York, the New York Times and Vulture respectively are great comedy critics but uh yeah it's hard it's a hard job anyway baseball was my first love so writing as a kid for the red sox i was at i was work, i worked with the red sox in 03 to 07 so i was there for the aaron boone heartbreak in 03 the yeah. breaking of the curse in 04 uh-huh. and then the world series in 07 so i saw some cool ass stuff yeah. How so? It started as a writing. You were writing. I was writing a school thing on the Red Sox, a school project. Uh huh. And then I asked for help from this woman who worked at the Red Sox, named Colleen Riley, who's a very good woman. And then uh, Colleen, and she's said, just like, oh, "I'll help this little kid out." She was. That literally was exactly just for no reason other than the goodness of her heart yeah. helped me out. The extreme goodness of her huge heart. And this woman, Colleen, brought me in, and, and this guy, Charles Steinberg, was the vice president there, and Colleen was like, can we keep him? And Charles Steinberg was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I stayed. I stayed there. I had a great time. Did you have a little little kid office at Fenway? Yeah, I had a little office. Little For cubicle. real? I had a cubicle until 2006 when I had my own little office um, with another guy named David Fine from Baltimore. We shared an office. Um, and then I went to the Dodgers and had a good time there. And then How does that happen? How, you, you, well, our boss got hired away and said, do you want to come work at the Dodgers? And I said, hell yeah. So I At got what a job age were you? Like you were, I was 18. Okay, so did you just finished high school? Just finished high school. And, uh, like, hey, leave this side of the country and come to Yeah, California. I mean, I'd spent a year in Israel, and I was working remotely. Then I went there for the summer, and then, uh, and then I got back. I got back to, to, to Israel, and um, I mean, it just – sorry, I got back to the States and, and went back and worked there and then went to NYU and went back and worked there again and then was unceremoniously fired during the divorce between the two owners of the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. And then I spent one summer working for the Brewers in Milwaukee, and it was a sad summer. But, uh, but that was – yeah, that was my life. I've had a pretty colored – Sports life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, these fruit flies are killing me. I know. I've, I've, I saw you were trying to swat one away, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think it's come over here now. But yeah, your daughter. So how old are your kids? 12 and 10. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And she's getting into writing for the school paper. That's a fun gig. Yeah, well, we're trying to get her into something, you know? Yeah, that's the challenge, right? Getting mm-hmm. my little brother. We were always like, what is he into? And yeah. he'd be like, saltines. It's not <laughs> enough. It's not enough. Oh, they have that in common, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so you spent some time in Milwaukee, too, working, huh? That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, but I was underage, so I can only drink in um, every bar. <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee's a drinking town, but it isn't a strict one. Uh-huh. It was great. There's a place called Victor's, which everybody knows as Victims, and that was... Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was wild. Do you... Uh, I'm... Today... Not as big of a baseball base, baseball is not as important to me as it once. Sure, was. I can hear that. I hear that. There are a lot of reasons. Um, at one point, but however, 
I still have a huge collection of you know sports memorabilia. Like yeah, this ba- from baseball cards to autograph shit to dude. I hear you. How about how about you? Did you you must have some kick-ass souvenirs from have, working for these teams? I have some incredible souvenirs. Give me, have, blow uh, me away, please. Wow. Did you, did you didn't get a World Series ring, did you? You do? You have one? 2007, You baby. son of a bitch! Do you really? Yeah, just a small one. But it's it's cool. Do they do they put diamonds in that one? Yeah, there's some diamonds in there. And, Dude! Uh, my favorite thing is I have Johnny Damon's uh, bat from his 100th home run as a Red Sox. What? Or his 100th career home run, maybe. I can't remember which one it was. Uh-huh. It was a milestone bat. Shit, I really, I have it written down somewhere. I have some autographed Bobby Orr stuff. He's my favorite hockey player growing up, and I met him there. Uh, I have a champagne bottle from the 2013 World Series celebration in the clubhouse, um, which I value pretty highly. And Wait, were a, you in there? Yeah, I was in there. I went back. To, oh, this is the coolest thing. It's just a sheet of paper. It's pretty special. In 2013, we had the marathon bombing, and I went back to the Red Sox just to help out for a few weeks. And I have the first draft of the address from the, over the PA for the first game back after the marathon bombing. Wow. Yeah. I just got, I just got chills. Oh, too. man, me too. For real. It was I'm not cool. It was, it was the most memorable, one of the most memorable days of my life. Terrorism has been weirdly big in my life. It happened a bunch in Israel when I was living there oh. when I was a kid, and then happened again when I was living there in Israel, and then happened in Boston, which is my hometown. And, you know, say nothing of New York, which I wasn't in, obviously, but, you know, my father was on the plane out before that plane to D.C. Jesus. The, before the one that hit the Pentagon, I think. Uh-huh. So, you know, we've been... It, like like uh, that being part of that ceremony. This is not funny, by the way. No one's gonna. I was just to gonna say, have like, you tried to turn this into a joke? Somewhere? Yeah, no one's gonna be like. No one's gonna be like. Wow, we better go see that terrorism-touched comedian. <laughs> Boy, just so you know, he. Well, you should love me because you know I hate bombing. Alrighty, there's a joke. There's a joke about terrorism. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it was uh, it was cool, <laughs> and I have some cool shit from baseball from my baseball life. There's some stuff signed by the commissioner, uh, Bud Selig, who was important to me when I was uh, – Bud Selig, super underrated commissioner, I think. I think the game will exculpate his uh, – I think his legacy will uh, – I think he'll one day be seen as sort of one of the great commissioners of all Interesting. time. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, there was one time where he couldn't have been a bigger villain in this state. Yeah, I mean – Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was hated. Absolutely hated. Really? Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Oh, you want to take our team away? Yeah, that's oh, right. Well, fuck you. That's right. Yeah. He wanted to he wanted to move him out. Uh-huh. But but Bud is uh I think Bud is a complicated man, but uh he's always done what's best for baseball and he's presided over it during troubled times and um you know, the strike really hurt baseball obviously Mm -hmm. but i think it's you know baseball is an enormously successful sport it does really well vis-a-vis attendance it's the most it's still america's pastime by far football plays 16 games a year which is huge but you know imagine football played you know 165 games a year the the viewing figures would be much smaller Mm -hmm. so baseball is played day in and day out in front of you know the worst teams in baseball get still, you know, 15,000 people at night. That's a huge, huge amount. Yeah. So 
And so I, I think it's a special, special sport and still occupies a really big place in my heart. It's a really great sport if you like an hour of excitement uh, stretched out over the course of two and a half years. So, <laughs> <laughs> my joke about baseball. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Nice job. <laughs> it is really, really lengthy, uh-huh. baby. So do you... Uh, you just- Red Sox, Red Sox Houston all the way, baby. starts Saturday. Saturday night at eight. I think it'll be a tough series. I, I think it's even money right now. I, I don't know who's going to win. The Red Sox bullpen clearly needs help. In, uh, even issues. money in your mind or realistic? Is in Vegas, Houston is the favorite. In my mind, it's even money just because the Red Sox. Um, have been such an offensive powerhouse and I do think their starting pitching is going to show up and their starting pitching has been great although Houston has beaten them a bunch of times and Houston looks phenomenal I would love to see a Houston-Milwaukee World Series too because Milwaukee's team is on the waiting list Milwaukee hasn't won a World Series in a long time three of the four teams in the playoffs you've worked for oh man the Dodgers is it Dodgers uh, is it Doyers yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. I've Dude. worked for three of these four teams. And my friend Steph Wilka, I think, is still at the Houston Astros. Yeah, or when are you getting a job with <laughs> Yeah, I've worked for three of the four teams at, in the playoffs. That's crazy. I have not thought about that. That's crazy. Yeah. every Or let's put it this way. Every team that you've worked for is in the playoffs. Wow, I am a lucky charm this year. Huh? Boy, that is really interesting to think about. Yeah. I have not thought about that, actually. Son of a bitch. I also saw that um, Sunday, I don't know where you'll be Sunday, Sunday evening is going to be a big evening for uh, a Boston sports fan if you still like the, or do you like the Patriots? Yeah, huge. Yeah. You know, they're not Sunday night football. Where are they playing? Huh? Where are they playing? In home in Foxborough? Yes. Against the undefeated Chiefs. Yes. I don't think the Patriots will win that game, but but I I would love to be proven wrong there. In an hour before that, uh, the Boston-Houston play game two. Unbelievable. In Boston. Yeah. So I think I should go home. I think I should go home for that. I could get tickets to it pretty easily. So, yeah, I should I should bounce home for that. That was what I was going to ask days. you next, as a matter of fact. So do you still have connections with these teams? Were yeah, you- yeah. No, I'm very close with, with a bunch of the people who work there. And, you know, they these people formed my, my the basis of my childhood. You know, I, I had a lot of... Uh, I have a lot of love for those organizations and uh, the Red Sox in particular and hating the Yankees in particular. Good. I hate the fucking Yankees. Yeah, well, I'm a um, Twins fan, so I do too. Oh, that's right. I've always grown up hating the goddamn Yankees. They are they are rooting for them is like rooting for Bank of America. They are the <laughs> – and I know people who are Yankees fans, and I hope they eat dirt. And uh, I know people who are Yankee fans, and I've called to laugh at them this past week. Good. Nothing is like beating the Yankees. If we get bounced in the playoffs, I still it's still been a successful year. We beat the fucking Yankees, yeah. and now we're in the ALCS against a very excellent team. But, man, beating the Yankees, I was here. I had the Tuesday night show. Yeah. I went into that bar over there. Empty bar, except for Luis, uh, bartender. the bartender. Yeah. And... Um, is this the same guy again? Brandon? Uh, Brandon. I think it was Brandon. Yeah, it was Brandon. Brandon and um, Brandon and Luis were there, and Brandon poured me some whiskey, and I watched uh, the Red Sox 
couldn't pull it out. They almost they almost frittered it away. I'm yeah. not sure if you saw it. I did. I was watching. Oh, my God. It was uh-huh. very stressful. Yeah. The winning run was on uh, first base. We I know. know. Ninth inning drama. Yeah, they had Should another be. They had another uh, game to get it done if that had happened. I tried to explain. My wife is the anti-sports fan. She doesn't. Does not care. Well, no one's perfect, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to explain to her in the ninth inning, like, honey, do you see this guy that's at bat for the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton? I'm like, they pay, he's making millions and millions of dollars to, to, millions. to, to have success right now. What we are watching right now, if he fails right now, it's double failure. This is what they brought, brought him in for, to, at bat, to have an at-bat with the bases loaded with a game on the line. Oh, and man, it was failed. so stressful. It was really stressful. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see. What I also saw. I want a few more things. I want to go ahead. Here. Go I ahead. Think cover. I saw. I just. I. I saw that you've kind of. Would you consider Mike Kaplan a mentor? I'd consider Mike someone I very. Um, yeah, I mean, of sorts. I think of when someone asks me who my mentor is, I say Gary Goldman, who's a great stand-up comic from oh, yeah. Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Um, you know, Mike was important to me when I was starting okay. out and very, very kind to me and really, really him and Joe List were really, okay. really two guys that I looked up to. Him, Joe List, Shane Moss. He's here a lot. Dude. Shane is Shane, Joe, and Mike were the guys that I admired starting in Boston and still continue to admire those guys. I think they're absolutely wonderful comedians. Um, but yeah, Mike and I spent some time together at the Edinburgh French Festival this year, and he is just the greatest yeah, comedian. He's one of my favorites. He's so funny and sharp and economical in his language. And if you don't have, Meet Robot, one of his albums, one of my favorites. So good. Vegan Mind Meld, is that one of his too? It is. I mean, just two great comedy albums. And I know there's more, um, but he's just an absolute killer. He's yeah. so funny and fucking sharp. I really love him. Yeah. Shane Moss is awesome. Glad you brought Shane's his name. Shane's great. Shane was one of the first comics I saw at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, 2012. He went out there, and I went to go see his show. I was just there as a visitor that year. Oh, okay. But he was special, and he still is. He's a great comedian. Yeah. He had some amazing stories last time he was here. About drugs? Yes. Yes. It was post-check-in uh, at a uh, psych ward and all that stuff. Yeah. What? He's had a what? fucked up last year. Yeah, I should call him. Yeah. Do you have his number? I need to give him Maybe? a shout. I have his old one. I gotta yeah. give him a. Sh- I gotta give him a call. Maybe. Uh, this is a weird coincidence. My mom is leaving for a vacation in Boston tomorrow. What do you want me to say to that? What do you want me to give recommendations? Yes. I give you recommendations. Yeah. Union Oyster House. Go to a game at Fenway Park where she can get tickets. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, you don't. I don't know. Um, wow. I mean, there'll be plenty of tickets for the Patriots game resold. <laughs> um. Man, I love Boston. I have oh, go to Empire, any of the big night restaurants. There's a place called Sinatra's, which is good, and and um, I mean, hey, some pretty good local comedy there as well. If she gives a shit about that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, that that actually reminds me of something else I wanted to ask you. Why not? I mean, I'm, it's awesome you're doing the recording here at Acme. Why not hometown? Yeah. Why not Boston? Um, I don't know. It's a bigger club. Honestly, too big. Wanted to uh, do it in a more intimate space. This is just the right amount of intimate for me. Ceilings are low, but it's not empty. It's not cavernous like you know certain other comedy clubs mm-hmm. maybe in this area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and I really wanted to do an intimate comedy club with low ceiling and great acoustics. So that's why this one. Okay. Okay. Uh, favorite Boston Red Sox player of all time. 
Is that too hard to ask? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with Nomar Garcia Para. Okay. Um, is he has he gotten back in the batter's box or is he still adjusting his batting gloves? He's still adjusting his batting gloves. Always stepping out. You know, kids in wiffle ball games, we would step out, we would adjust our batting oh, gloves. Oh, you forever. little you little dicks! We loved it so much. <laughs> Nomar was great. Um, I and he's married to Mia Hamm, which is just wonderful. Apparently, they're very happy together. Oh yeah. Um, there's Nomar. Carlton Fisk was special to me. Sure. For his big home run. Sure. Um, Ted Williams is, to me, one of the great baseball players of all—one of the great Americans of all time in terms of—not one of the great dads of all time, but definitely one of the great Americans. One of the coldest Americans of all time. He's been frozen. Ted Williams. Yeah. Uh, David Ortiz is really—David—okay, I think I've got to go— and I hate guys who get asked about their favorite of all time, and they go with somebody recent. Okay. But Ortiz— just was a really special player for the Red Sox, and he was there for three World Series. And, you know, the Red Sox never lost in a World Series, I don't think, in my lifetime. Every time they've made it, they've won. And Ortiz has uh, been a big part of that. And he was a delight to be around, and I spent a lot of time with him at certain periods. And he was great, but there were guys who had one great moment, like Dave Roberts, or there were guys who were just uh, special, special people. Jeff Cesario was here last week, and we talked... Oh, he's so funny. uh, We talked uh, just a little bit about uh, Dave Roberts, about, uh, you know, how a crazy... Did he do Chet Waterhouse? Did he do his Chet Waterhouse impression? Oh, so I've done that podcast. It's fucking... Oh, you have? Packed with jokes. Oh. He packs the jokes in. Yeah, 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 he does. Cesario absolutely packs the jokes in. Cesario in Chet Waterhouse, one of the great podcasts, one of the great joke writers, one of the great um, hours you can possibly spend with another human being. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he's fun. And it's one, this is his hometown club. He recommended this club, by the way, as a place to record the album. Good. So, Chet, I can't say enough about Jeff Cesario. Oh, that's cool. About how funny he is. Yeah, he brought up, uh, we talked briefly about Dave Roberts uh, having a big part of that 2004 championship. He was a huge part of that 2004 championship. Now being the manager for the Dodgers. Without him, there's nothing. Without him, there's no no World Series. Without that stolen base, I don't think they win that game. And there's, I I remember watching, watching him, watching him go. I'm in the, I'm in that 2004 comeback documentary that ESPN did as a 30 for 30. I'm not. Not speaking because I'm a child, but what it was is if you can see me crying, and you can see me crying beforehand with my head in my hands, thinking this is the same thing as the 2000, 2003 ALCS. But there was so you were what a, like 15? Or I was something? 15. Aww. There was a moment. <laughs> there's a moment though where Roberts he's got his foot on the bag and he just looked at the Yankee dugout. And I was sitting legitimately right next to the Yankee dugout. And I remember, I remember locking eyes with uh, with someone in the Yankee dugout, and uh, and Roberts looks over at them, and instinctively, one of the pitchers just went, "He's going." And it was the most unnecessary thing because even I was 15, and even I knew Roberts was going. Even yeah. I knew that Roberts was going to go try to take the, tr- take that second base right. and steal that base. And it was bigger than sports, you know. It was a bigger. It was a civic moment where you know the the whole city grew up. You know, I grew up caring so much about the Red Sox, and I still love the team. But it's more of a sports fandom now than it was, you know, a religion for me growing up. That was special. It was just a special moment where he where he where he plants his foot and takes off. I had a 
I get now. I'm getting chills thinking yeah. about it. Very cool. Yeah. We're, now uh, let's go back a second here. Was the uh, the post Boston bombing game and the speech? And you have the uh, pay, uh, yeah. I helped out with. Was that, that the. Was that when David Ortiz said, this is our fucking city? Was that it? Yeah, it wasn't that. I didn't script that. Um, my boss, Charles Steinberg, and the CEO of the Red Sox at the time, Larry Lucchino, sort of intuited that David might say something like that and decided to let him go and pay the fine. And they never ended up paying the fine. The FCC let it go. Okay. There were some complaints, actually. There were some 13 killjoys made complaints to the FCC. <laughs> But it was wonderful. <laughs> it was great. It was a great moment where he said, "Is our fucking city?" I was standing on the field. You know, there's a vi- there's news footage, and I'm in the background. You can see me just flinch because that's a six figure fine. That's like five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, that's more. Th- that's a huge fine. I think it's five hundred seventy five thousand dollars to curse live on the air uh, with a live stream. You you and you're culpable for that. The Red Sox were culpable for that, but they they um, it was a it was. An American moment that the Red Sox got some leeway for, so sure, you know, sure, yeah, this is our fucking city. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna dictate our freedoms. <laughs> uh, he does now some of the post game, pre and post game stuff. Isn't that weird that announcers, a lot of the best announcers now, Tony Romo is great, and Alex Rodriguez is who I hate is phenomenal as an announcer, and David does great post game stuff, and Pedro is really, really, really insightful. Yeah, those guys have. have it's we're in a golden era of athlete commentators. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's good. And David still has a thick accent. But yeah, he's a thick accent. You know, but he spends part of his year in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Tiffany, his wife, who's wonderful, lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and he's a Packers fan. Been to a bunch of Packers games, Poppy. What? Yeah, he is. Sorry to ruin that for the more Minnesota. Yeah, really. Vikings Boy, fans. he really freaking hates Minnesota, doesn't he? No, he doesn't hate Minnesota. Oh, he, yeah, that's right. He was here for a while. Yeah, we tried. Uh, twins did their best to ruin him. Well, you know who who convinced the Red Sox to take him? Do you know the story? Pedro Martinez literally sent a text message to Theo Epstein and told him that. Um, or maybe Lucchino, but Pedro said, you need to get this guy. And they got him for nothing, and he became one of the great baseball players of all time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's unbelievable. But he wasn't happy here. He wasn't happy in Minnesota. He he didn't. They didn't use him well off the bench. He wasn't even going by the name Ortiz at the time, I think. I think he was going by a different name. Yeah, he on an early baseball card. He has a different name on it. Yeah, I'm gonna see if what's his, what what he would go by. David, David or T's wiki. Oh, oh wow! I didn't know that. Um, yeah, he went. Does by he have a long Jewish name like David Arias? He went by. Yeah, no, he doesn't have the long Jewish name like <laughs> like Alex Edelman. But early life, yeah, he would go by. He went by Arias, oh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, he, the Mariners the Mariners listed him as David Arias. That's it. I think it's on an old baseball card. Yes, it's, on, there. it's yeah. on an old baseball card. Yeah, but it's a but he's yeah he's a wonderful guy, big wonderful guy. So right on. Yep. Is there anything else we should be mentioning? I think or did we cover it all? I'm I've have I been boring? No. What? I hope I haven't been boring. No. Oh God. I'll ask the fruit fly on my p- paper here. Guys, come see the sh- if you've listened thus far. Come see um, me record this album this week. It's going to be fucking great. I'm having a really good time. So, and, and then you'll come back in a few more years and do the hour that you've been doing earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> right? would be that, that would work? be exactly how it goes. <laughs> but okay, yeah. 
That should be the that should be the case. Once you've finished doing it live, that's when you lay it down for one last time. Right on. But yeah, come see the end of 2015's best comedy show. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Go Sox. Sweet. Go Sox. <laughs> Yankees suck. <laughs>